I'm Javed Nixon, President and CEO of Point Global Marketing, and you're tuned to Your Business Matters, a podcast brought to you by Exim Bank and hosted by Enika Watkins Portal. Your Business Matters brings thought leaders together on thought-provoking ideas every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on your favorite podcast app. You have questions and they have the answers. When you speak, we listen. We listen to all your stories. About how your business was started. Including how you chose the name. The location. And every step along the journey to make it applicable to the problems you solve every day. Within these stories, we have also listened to your cries for help. The narrative surrounding limited cash flow. Extended payment terms for buyers who just can't meet your 30-day credit term this month. Next month. And the month after that. We understand trying to add value along a value chain that is dynamic and ever-changing. We are here to help because your stories are the reason we exist. And because we know that sometimes you need credit quickly, we have created Exim Express Receivables Financing so that your most important jobs get done. With a turnaround time of seven days and up to 75% of your receivables covered with no collateral or financials needed, you know you're in good hands. Exim Bank, by helping businesses, we save lives and And livelihood. Before we get into today's discussion, I have invited Winston Lawson, business development consultant at Exim Bank Jamaica, to share about the reset initiative of Exim Bank. Welcome, Winston. Thank you very, very, very much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, what is the reset program? What does reset mean? So, so the acronym is Rebuild engage and stimulate our economy together rebuild engage and stimulate Stimulate our economy economy together together. right together we are in this we are in this together we're building back stronger together and better and and, and i like that initiative um you know of exim bank so first of all what is this program all about well it's you know exim as the national exim bank of jamaica we, we have a, an obligation, really, to ensure that the economy is doing well. That's a, that's, a, that's a fundamental obligation that we have. We want to ensure that the economy is, is doing well. And we do this by ensuring that our businesses within the economy does well. Our mandate is to lend provide financial solutions to to small and medium enterprises within the within the economy and to ensure that they have access to funds access to to fund their operations so that they can either be viable or be very competitive because they are the drivers pretty much of a buoyant economy so mm-hmm. let us start there Our role is to ensure that that is happening. We are cognizant that we are in a pandemic. Um, Hopefully, the worst is behind us. And so, in carrying out our mandate in the context of what has been happening as a pandemic, we recognize that there has to be a larger effort on our part to assist with recovery 
to assist with a rebuilding, to assist with, you know, as we said, the reset is stimulating back the economy to bring back some sort of vibrancy, some sort of buoyancy within the economy. So it's a, it's a program that we have put together, not us alone, let me say, it also involves the uh, JAMPRO, it also involves uh, JBDC, um, but all within the umbrella of our own ministry, which is the Ministry of Investment, Commerce, uh, Industry. Okay. Um, so the reset really is a broad program. Within that program, Exim will provide some financial solutions. Jampro provides the marketing connections for those organizations, and JBDC will provide some technical support within that umbrella program. Reset, reset as it relates to Exim providing financing, there is a particular loan that we have also put together that we have called the Reset Loan. This particular loan is made available now to those SMEs within the economy, within the productive sector of the economy, is made available to them at extremely low cost. And when I say low cost, I'm, re I'm referring to the, to the interest rate um, because that reset loan is provided directly to the SME at 4.75% in Jamaican dollars. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, you have heard correctly, it is 4.75% in Jamaican dollars. That rate is not available anywhere in any loan market in the entire world, right? So this was put together specifically to assist with the recovery efforts within the economy, bearing in mind what has been happening. That sounds um, fantastic. I want to know from you now, Winston, who are some of these target groups, those target categories that you are catering to for this program? So again, so Exim's mandate is really to businesses, businesses within the economy, and its mandate is businesses within the economy that are in the productive sector, right? So it has to be in the productive sector. However, we do have flexibility where we can move along what we call the value chain. So if there are businesses that supply those businesses in the productive sector, we also can capture them as our target. Right. And finally, where can persons go to learn more about this amazing initiative by the Exim Bank as well as your partners, other partner uh, agencies? All right. Um, so our website is always there. Um, we you, you can also... Um, and the website is? At, I'm sorry. <laughs> the <laughs> Exim, website would be eximbankja.com. Correct. And I, I always give my own number, um, 876-470-9835. You can get me on WhatsApp. Um, you know, I certainly always get me on WhatsApp. That's a certainty. And I will always respond to you. 
All right. Thank you so much, Winston Lawson, for sharing with me today about the reset program of Exim Bank Jamaica. Welcome to another episode of Exim Bank's Your Business Matters. I am your host, Henneka Watkins-Porter. Of course, on this show, we continue to bring you thought leaders together with thought-provoking ideas and methods on business matters to help grow your business. Many people, due to their eagerness to gain employment, often overlook or fail to recognize invasive questions posed by their potential employer. One could argue that information such as marital status and age are general information, but in the wrong hands, these can end up being weapons of mass discrimination. On the other hand, employers have a right to know who they're adding to their team. So how thin is the line between an employee profile and a privacy breach? BBC, in an article published in May 2015, gave the account of an Indian firm that refused to hire a fitting candidate because he was Muslim. The candidate noted that his CV was also not processed after disclosing that he was of, he was of the Hindu religion. The HR trainees was said to be suspended after the incident, as the company stated it was just a mistake. SHRM.org, in an article, cited that even harmless icebreaking questions could lead to a civil rights lawsuit, emphasizing the importance of the phrase need to know basis. The article went on to say that recruiters should be careful to stick to only questions that are directly related to the job so as to steer the interview in a safe direction. According to the Fundamental Rights and Freedom of Jamaican, individuals have the right to freedom from discrimination on the grounds of being male or female, on the grounds of race, place of origin and social class, color, religion, or political opinions. And this is according to the Constitutional Amendment Number 4, 2011. So as we take a deep dive into the topic, ponder for a second, invasion of privacy or knowing your employee. This is Your Business Matters, bringing the matters to the table. Today, my guests are Yuton Vassal, Group Human Resource Business Partner at Digicel and Employment Law and Industrial Relations Expert, as well as Gina Tomlinson-Williams, Director, Business Transformation, Organizational Development and Change at JPS. Welcome, welcome, lady and gentlemen. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. So are you ready for the battle to begin? <laughs> for the discussion. So let's, 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 yes. let's do it. Let's have a discussion. That's it. My opening question, is it knowing your employee or an invasion of privacy? When you ask, when, when employers or prospective employers ask questions about your religion, your marital status, and things that we consider personal who's going to begin <laughs> you look ready <laughs> um i mean i think it's 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 definitely an invasion of privacy um you know i think the the real true when you have a candidate um in front of you is to assess their 
candidacy in respects to their competence for the job um, and also the necessary um, skills that they need to, to fully function and, and do the job well. I think asking invasive questions has no bearing as to whether or not this person is competent and is able to do the job. Um, whilst those information are needed secondary once this person is hired, you know, for example, for um, administration to the health plan or other policies or benefits um, associated with, you know, the benefits that the company would offer. But it has no bearing if, you know, in making a decision to determine whether or not someone is, is competent for the job. All right. Gina, what say you? Okay. I would disagree that it is an invasion of privacy. In an interview, there are a couple of things that you want to achieve. The resume that you have received from a, from a potential employee already tells you what the competence and skills are of the individual. And so in the interview, especially in more progressive organizations where we're looking at the engagement of employees, we're looking at the ability to reward and recognize different types of employees. It's important to understand also how an employee will fit into the culture of your organization. As you probably would have heard, culture eats strategy any day. And so it's very important to ensure that the person you're hiring into your organization is one that can fit into the culture of your organization. If it's a family-oriented organization, if it is one that is welcoming to different types of religions, um, regardless of the nature of your religion or your marital status, it is not necessarily a determining factor for your employment, but it is a factor in understanding whether or not that person will fit into the culture in which they are applying. The culture of an organization is critical for its success. And so for me to, to know if you're going to fit, that's why we do things like psychometric tests. Um, the kinds of questions you ask in an interview take us deeper than the competencies and the skills that you have on paper and tell us who you are, how you think, what kinds of values you have, because those values need to match the values of my organization. Those values that are related to family, those values that are related to legacy, um, those core values of the organization. In asking those types of questions, they help me to understand whether or not you fit into our culture. So let me ask this question. Somebody who is married, how, what kind of a bearing does that have on their performance or even a culture fit? Okay. So one of the things that many organizations are doing is adjusting a couple of things around the nature of who they employ. So we're adjusting things like the benefits that we provide to our employees, the, the formal benefits through insurance and other other negotiated benefits through the unions, but we're also looking at the softer benefits that are not negotiated, the ones that not only engage our employees, but retain our employees. When we can know that an employee um, coming into the organization has a family, has children, suppose this is a top candidate that I want to attract, then I can say, look, we also have, oh, you have kids? Did you know that we have a nursery? 
Did you know that we have XYZ benefits for persons who are who have children or who have elderly parents? These are kinds of things that we can wave to the potential candidate to say, hey, we're a good place, a good fit for you to join our company because not only do we have the pay to give you, but there's these other benefits that we have as an organization as well. Um, okay, go ahead and speak to that. I was a point to note, but um, whilst that is, you know, a, a noted, you know, benefit that the company offers, uh, a potential candidate will do their research and can find this sort of information from asking current employees, you know, um, information on the company via the website and other social media. So it's not necessarily a, a way to attract people to come in because people wouldn't necessarily do their research um, after a job posting is, is, is shared on the various social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, the bearing in which we try to understand is whether or not asking these questions of people, being so invasive, what bearing does it have to determine whether or not this person is affected? Yes, per, um, companies will, however, have the necessary needs that they need to fill in terms of uh, a, a position, whether it be for culture fit or job fit. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be asking invasive questions. You can ask competency questions mm-hmm. and assessments to determine whether or not this person is able to carry out the function. Yes, persons can put all sorts of accolades on their resumes and they would have perused the job description. It doesn't make them competent for the job. However, as a recruiter or an HR practitioner, in order for you to assess this person to see whether or not they'll be a fit, regardless of what you're looking for, whether it be culture fit or um, job fit, you will have to assess these based on competence. Mm-hmm. And asking persons their age, their marital status, their religious belief, whether or not they have a family, really has no bearing as to the bottom line when you're seeking employees. Because someone can have the values of someone who has a family. And someone who has a family doesn't necessarily mean that they have the values that you're really looking for. But what mm-hmm. it comes down to is really, really assessing the competency and whether or not this person has a passion for this for this job. And, you know, for you to, you know, put the things in place to see whether or not this person be a fit for the job or not. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, well, companies look for various things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ascertain your answers to these things that you're looking for without getting invasive. All right. So the only the only point I would perhaps disagree on is there are things that you can get from having that kind of quote unquote personal conversation with persons that you wouldn't normally get. There are these are also tools that can help to put persons at ease in a conversation. Many times in an interview, persons are so nervous. They're prepared for all of these technical questions and they're so nervous in the interview that sometimes these personal questions also also help to put persons at ease. I do agree that there's a limit to how deep you want to go into the personal questions, but I do believe also from my personal experience that these have also helped to put persons at ease. As it relates to religion, um, there are some roles that will require some questions around that because there are some religions that have restrictions around days that are worked. And there are some industries that are 24 seven operations. And so understanding and respecting somebody's religion is also very important. Um, I've seen several situations where organizations have said, look, I don't care what religion you are. 
this is a job you need to do it and it, it needs to be done on this particular t particular day and that is disrespectful and i think it's important to know upfront in a situation where the role is going to require certain hours or days of the week to be worked that it is important upfront for those to be stated and for the candidate to indicate their own statement on whether or not they are okay as opposed to the company dictating to the candidate that they must work on on a day that their religion does not allow them to so good point um however at the end of the day is a mutual agreement between mm -hmm. both the candidate and the company still don't need to get invasive um because you can say this we are we we operate a 24-hour business mm -hmm. are you okay with that any there whether or not they're okay with it is a yes or no don't need to get beyond that or deep into the situation because at the end of the day it's a business that you're operating and businesses have their owners to say well this is how we operate and this is what we're looking for and the candidates can also make a decision there whether or not this is a right fit for them because it both goes both ways so right fit in terms of does this fit into my my values does this, does this fit into where i want my direction of my my career to go does this fit into all those things whilst you know the company is going to another one direction it's, it has to be somewhere where there's a common goal between the the candidate and the company so it's it's not a matter of you know yes you can put the candidate at ease by asking certain questions doesn't mean that the questions need to be invasive or to be intrusive. However, you can still create that sort of atmosphere where people are open and transparent and, it, and, and, and being open and transparent must be balanced between both the company and the candidate. Um, sometimes there's a, there's a presentation of whatever it is needed versus a company not being, okay, this is not what we're really looking for, but we are able to, by asking you whatever questions which are invasive, we will consider or yeah. you know whatever the situation is but it you, you can set that sign up that that sort of tone and and mm -hmm. and change the narrative a bit i think you know so it's not as invasive exactly so mm -hmm. that you yes you and you and by having a conversation with the candidate you ascertain whether or not they are comfortable if they're restrained you know, if 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 it is, you know, them kind of order their conversation because sometimes interviews are hard. Not everybody mm -hmm. can in, mm -hmm. in interviews, but in it is understanding people because some might take you being intrusive by you asking certain questions and say, okay, maybe this is not the place for me. So you have to really strike that balance in terms of what you ask and ensure that you are not breaking any labor laws by asking certain mm -hmm. questions because mm -hmm. asking these questions, which are considered to be invasive can resort to legal actions being taken against a company. Mm -hmm. So the religion one is a, is, a, is a toughie because we have actually, I've seen not just in my company, but in, in other companies where persons will say anything to get the job. And uh, yeah, man, yeah, man, I can work. No, 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 no problems at all. And then when they're given a directive, I'm not going to do it because I, my religion doesn't allow me to work on this particular day. So these are real situations that we have encountered. Um, and it is very difficult to apply disciplinary action when somebody brings up their religion as a reason for not doing something, even though they would have signed a contract 
stating these are the working hours, agreed, obviously, by signing that this is what they're going to do. Um, and I know, basically, I'm mooting my own point by saying, even if you ask it in the, in the interview, it doesn't make a difference. So I know, <laughs> even if you ask it in the interview, but, you know, it, it's something that we have experienced. Well, the thing is, you know, the, the contract trumps what people believe um, mm -hmm. or whatever situation that they're in. The point of this is that you agree to something mm -hmm. and that contract is mutually binding. Either mm -hmm. party who breaches is liable. So whether or not you believe that, oh, oh it's, it's Friday evening, it's approaching my summit, I cannot work at this time, you signed a contract mm -hmm. that says you work from X time to X time. And you are supposed to be given the, the company eight hours per day. That's what you're contracted to do. So if you are refusing to carry out your duties within the time frame set in your contract, then you are breaching the contract. You know, whether or not you believe that, oh, this is an invasion of your religious belief, you signed a contract and that trumps everything else. Mm -hmm. Now, um, should the company not take legal actions against you for breaching it because you're a part of a religious group? Absolutely because there was a contract that is signed between you and the company stating you will work this time mm -hmm. for x mm -hmm. amount of pay these are the companies uh, the competencies required this is what we agreed on right and by signing you agreed to it exactly and even if down the line you decided that you want to be a part of a religious group you disclose it to the company and then the company will make a decision based on the information that you've you know, provided to say, okay, we'll either restructure or we'll have to honor the contract that you initially signed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right, anything so, else trumps that. So Gina, you said something, you said a couple of things earlier I want to, I want to get back to. So you talked about one, using the, the married um, person example is that, you know, is the, perhaps the company needs to structure packages and so on and so forth, benefits for um, the, the, the prospective employee. Let, isn't that more a case of de determining whether okay can this can this worker uh, work overtime? Will she be available? Will she be spending or he be spending? You know, keen on spending more time with family and have kids and can give it the time or assume that the amount of time cannot be given to the job. That's one and two. I've had an experience where I was taken aback a couple of years ago. A company phoned me on LinkedIn and reach out to me. It's, it's, a, it's a hotel chain, a Spanish hotel chain. I won't say the, the name of it. And they, <laughs> <laughs> and they reached out to me to do an interview. Like, me never did look for a job, but they just saw me on LinkedIn. I'm like, okay. Right. So they saw me on LinkedIn and I was like, no problem. I, I'll do the interview. Only to, to be taken back, like within the first, maybe the second or the third question into the conversation, asking me things like, are you married? Do you have kids? I was so su surprised. It's like, I just went downhill from there. Like, I didn't know what came at me so fast. Yeah. So speak to that. All right. So there, there's a couple of different reasons why we'll ask about marital status and whether or not we have children, whether or not the, the candidate has children. I would expect, my expectation would be that those questions are to get an understanding of who you are, as I mentioned earlier. Also, what is the nature of what you're bringing to the organization? So if the job requires travel, then there's a further conversation that needs to be had. I think it's important for, for companies to have that conversation up front, not necessarily to 
say to you, we're not going to hire you because you have children, but to have that upfront conversation to say the job requires travel, the job requires overnighting, X, Y, Z, um, are these things that you will be able to take on in an upfront conversation? Now, I do notice and, and acknowledge that these questions probably are not asked of men. Let's just be real, okay? These questions probably are not asked of men, um, but in a progressive organization, then it's something that it doesn't matter what the gender is, the questions are going to be asked about family. Are you okay for relocation? Um, these are questions that I have asked in interviews before because of the nature of what was required. For example, the person was applying in one parish and the role is in another parish that is at the other end of the island. And so we had a conversation about relocation and we were able to have a real conversation, not a surface level, yeah, 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 I'm good, I can relocate, but a real conversation about options for school, options for transfer of the family, what are you going to do if your husband isn't able to, to transfer, but that wasn't a determining factor, it was a conversation that we had. Um, the, the answers had no bearing on whether or not the person was actually going to be hired in terms of what you're going to do if your husband can't move. That's not going to have any bearing on whether or not the person is going to be hired, but in many situations, what we have found is that in an interview, persons do not think through their answers. You're in a high stress situation. You're in a situation where you're going to want to say what you practiced and you're going to want to say anything to get the job. What we have found is that when we can make the interview a conversation, not an interrogation, but a conversation, then we can get more real answers out of persons. We can get more thought through answers out of persons and we can have a real conversation. In one particular situation, we actually were able to negotiate a longer time for the transfer for the person. The person was already an employee and would be transferred to another location. And we actually negotiated with them a longer time for the transfer because we had a conversation about the challenges that the person was going to face in the transfer process. All right. Um, and I see your, your dog obviously agreeing with you, Gino. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, okay, so I want to... Good point, um, Gina, but I'm... You still can have the conversations with people without being intrusive. Firstly, companies hire adults, bottom line. It's an adult decision that you would have to make to determine whether or not you're able to relocate for your family or not. It's an adult decision that you have to make, taking, a, taking, a, taking on responsibilities of an adult, like getting a job. So in terms of you creating our, that atmosphere, doesn't necessarily that you need to know or get into the nitty gritty of people's life. You may mention of asking women questions about, you know, relocating for family and if they have a family after marriage and all of that. That is actually an indirect breach of the Women's Act because you are asking questions that you necessarily wouldn't ask a male. And, you know, there is the Employment Act. There's the Equal Pay for Men and Women's Act. So my question is, why ask this question if they do have a bearing on determining whether or not this person is a good fit for the job? 
because there must be a reason for you to be asking all these questions of persons um, to determine, because at the end of the day, you want to separate the sheep from the goats. The goats at the end of the day, because it's it all boils down to who fits within what you are looking for, and you are going to be asking because nobody wants to waste nobody's time. You want to ensure that you get the necessary conversations in in a timely manner because there's a time in which you need to hire somebody so that they can give notice to wherever they're leaving and you can put things in place and they can put things in place to ensure that they are ready to make this decision. Again, companies hire adults. They have to make decisions to, you know, to determine, you know, is this something that I am willing to do? The job requires this and companies will meet their demands. It's either or not we are able to say yes or no to them. So whilst the companies will have their demands, as long as it's within law, then, you know, we'll have to act in accordance to it. So, you know, asking certain questions, if it has no bearing to determine whether or not this person is a right fit for the position, then in essence, it's not really necessary to ask because you still can have a conversation, make people comfortable and really get to that point. And, and all of this comes with experience and also, you know, making necessary accommodations for people so that they're relaxed and you have a conversation with people. And that's how interviews should really go. It's really having a conversation because you would have already seen the, this person's resume and it will highlight whether or not it is matching with what you're looking for. But it goes on more than just what's on paper. Um, yes, that's, and that is why people are shortlisted because on paper, they might be a fit. But what are the other value add that are you looking for? Competence, passion, are you able to do that? Because at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. Are you able to do the job? Your family are not, are the lack thereof, your religion, your sex, whatever it is that you believe in has no bearing in you doing the job. Shouldn't be asked because at the end of the day, it's not going to be asked, okay, you have a report to write. What does your religion say about this? And uh, your, 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 ch- your children, okay, um, my son or daughter have to do this and I, I really... At the end of the day, you have to make an adult decision. So you have to determine whether or not you are able to fit this within the direction that you want to go and and make decisions accordingly. Now, in terms of you creating that atmosphere, and again, bringing back to the point that we have to change the narratives as HR practitioners, as companies as well, to, you know, look into the various things. Look at COVID. Who would have thought that, you know, all these positions are able to, to be done from working from home. Um, so we really have to look into the narrative of things and how we go about having the necessary discourse with people and to factor in a lot of things. Yes, we're going to need to ask certain questions, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be intrusive or invasive. Um, because at the end of the day, you're not only hiring the professional side of people. After all, life doesn't happen in a vacuum. So you have to ensure that you're looking at the person on a whole because that's what you're going to be hiring. You're going to be hiring that person, not just Jane, who is the administrative expert. You are hiring Jane, who is a social butterfly. You're hiring Jane, who will go around and do staff engagement. You're also hiring Jane, who might have a family. And you're hiring Jane, who have other things that she needs to do outside of her eight hours dedicated to you. So at the end of the day, you are responsible for Jane's growth and development and see whether or not she is going to be fitting within your organization and the things that this job entails. 
So asking Jane all these invasive questions really has no bearing at the end of the day to determine whether or not she is a fit for the job. All so. right. All right. So time is well spent. Um, we are pretty much out of time. But here's what's going to happen. We're going to invite our listener to come on and ask his question, Camille Walford. Before we do that, I'm just going to, when he asks the question, I'm going to ask you to keep it very, very tight. I'm also going to, at the end of it, ask you for, for some takeaway. But before I even invite Camille to come and ask his question, in 30 seconds, where do we draw the line um, in terms of the questions that we ask? Are we now going to get into people's bedrooms? Are we now going to get into, yeah, where? so where's the line drawn? Stick to the competencies required for yeah. the job. Stick to knowing the person in terms of their abilities. Stick to knowing what you are looking for. Are you looking for job fit? Are you looking for culture fit? And then assess and ask your questions accordingly. There are tests and assessments out there that don't get into people's personal affairs. Stick to those, and, and that will really show you the true value of a company instead of getting very invasive in people's life. Eventually, all those things will come. Um, it's just for you to determine whether or not you're able to deal with it or not. At the end of the day, companies are hiring adults, so adults would have to make decisions as like the company would have to make decisions as well. All right, so a couple of um the first there definitely has to be a line in terms of how how deep you go in your questioning and and to what extent so sexual orientation preferences you know in whichever direction top bottom left or right are irre irrelevant to the job there are once again I'll, I'll underscore that i do not think that certain questions are invasive um, which has been my whole point all this time. So questions around marital status, children, um, religion, there are certain questions that I believe are relevant to the conversation um, precisely because it's not a black and white situation where we are hiring you solely for what's on a piece of paper. We're hiring you for the person and for your fit in our culture as well. What's also important is that in in making, as I indicated before, making a person comfortable in the conversation, some of these questions can help to set that tone. All right. So let me add Camille Walford to, to ask, go ahead and ask the question that he's been listening all this time. Welcome, Camille. Let's hear your question. Before you give your question, though, what it is that you do? Oh, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Go ahead with your question, Camille. All right, so I've, I've listened and I think most of my questions were were asked and answered. So but give me just one. <laughs> Gina, you said that the questions, they're, they're not really black and white, you know. They're gray areas. You can't really have a line as to what the questions are. But that means that invasive invasive then would be relative because something that you, you probably ask Jane and Jane thinks it's okay, I would probably not be okay with that question. So um, invasive is um, relative. And then, you know, mention was made about culture and how much Jane should be a fit. But we're not looking at what about the, the part of the company being a good fit for Jane. But the question really, though, what does it really boil down to? Does it come down to competency, somebody who will get the job done well, or does it come down to culture which is more important here competency or culture That's my so opinion. the very fact that that you are shortlisted 
for the interview means that you have the competence. So there's no question necessarily of skill or competence. When we, when we're sh when we have shortlisted a candidate, we have identified that you you check all the boxes as it relates to the core competences required to actually conduct to, to actually do the job. If you're unable to express yourself, if you are unable to define what your life looks like in the next five years, that means you have no future plans for yourself. There are no you're not goal oriented. Um, there are certain things that are needed outside of the on-paper competences for a role. These are behavioral competences, for want of a better description, outside of the core skills, the technical skills. So let's differentiate them between the technical skills that are needed for a job and the behavioral competences that are needed for a job. Every role should have both. The behavioral competences for a leadership are very different than those for a technical frontline role or even a customer service role or a, an accountant role, etc. The behavioral competencies require you to be somebody who is a strategic thinker, somebody who is forward thinking. Um, so there, you know, I'm not going to list all of them here, but obviously you, you get the point. So in having these conversations, it helps us to assess. Yes, you have checked the box, check the boxes. So that's why you're here. Right. You have been shortlisted. So you have the skills and the skills and capabilities to do the job. But do you have the behavioral competencies that can be assessed through psychometric testing, but also through the type of strategic questions that are asked in an interview? If I'm if I may chime in a bit. So. Accolades experience does not make somebody competent. And I've, I've seen this throughout my my years as an HR practitioner. And that is why you need to have those questions surrounding competence. Because at the end of the day, you want to ensure that this person is able to do the job. Um, asking behavioral questions or competence skewed towards the behavior um, doesn't mean that you need to ask Jane if she's married or not, or ask Jane if she has a family, or um, ask you to, have, to do anything outside of our eight hours dedicated to the job and the contractual agreement that she will be signing. So it boils down, you can still ask behavioral questions and assess them and not get invasive. For example, if you want to ascertain whether or not this person has the values of the companies or in alignment to the values of the companies. So, yeah, you can ask those behavioral questions without getting invasive. You know, um, if you want to see whether or not the person's values are in alignment to the company or vice versa, then you ask questions surrounding. And a psychometric test does not get invasive. A psychometric test is is a test which is skewed towards finding out, you know, a person's thought process if they're critical thinker and certain behavioral things, and it doesn't get invasive. So you want to ensure that you are getting to the meat of the matter, which is asking the various competency questions to ascertain whether or not this person is able to perform. At the end of the day, that's what businesses are in 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 business to do to to make money. And they're going to be making money based on persons who can do the job. It has nothing to do with whether or not Jane is married or not, if Jane is a part of a religious group, or is whatever she do outside of her time that is dedicated to the company. Company wants to ensure that you're representing them well as well. But it doesn't mean that, you know, asking these questions should be a deterrent or be, I, I don't see the point of you asking these questions if they don't have a point to it. So that, that's just my two cents. All right. All right. So, yeah. So we're going to have to leave it here. But before we actually run for good, 
Um, 10 seconds to, I know in, in that 30 seconds that you did prior, you, you kind of brought it home, but I want you to even nail it home a little further. Just 10 seconds, you know, telling our, our listeners or our business owners what they should be considering when they're thinking, contemplating about, you know, hiring others into, into their businesses. Is it invasive to ask certain questions as you, you've alluded to, Yutan? Gina, your best strategy for getting around that invasion, so on and so forth. Just give us that takeaway. All right. So there are certain questions that go too far. I, I will agree to that. There are certain questions that go too far. And as as your, your listener indicated just now, there is a line that could vary based on who is asking the questions and who is being asked. That distance of that line could vary because of that. And what's considered invasive to one person may not be considered invasive to another. I think it's important, as Yutan pointed out earlier, to ensure that we're adhering to our labor laws and the guidelines around um, not infringing on persons' human rights in the kinds of questions that are asked. At the same time, I think that forward-thinking and progressive companies need to move beyond black and white and, and need to ensure that we're hiring the whole person, that we're hiring an individual who is going to be spending not just eight hours of the day with us, but becoming part of our family. And we want to know persons who are going to become part of our family. And so we're going to ask certain questions that allow us to get to know you better. We're also going to ask questions that allow you to think through um, the, the, the role that is being offered to you. Yes, we're hiring adults, but you would be amazed at how many five-year-olds are running around in our organizations these days. So sometimes, sometimes we need to have these conversations up front to help the five-year-olds kind of hold a hand a little bit, um, to help them make the right decisions, because it's not just a decision for us, it's a decision for them. All right. Thank you, Gina. You turn your time. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, we're hiring adults. Do you need to get into people's personal life to assess whether or not they are a fit for the job? Absolutely not. Um, so it's, it's really important for companies to look into what value add this person is going to be bringing to the table. And it has no bearing, has nothing to do with whatever religious group or their marital status or their address, or it has nothing to do with that. When, when persons are shortlisted, yes, that's a, that's a good way to, to get people in to attract. But what will, you know, retain people? You need to look into those things as well. What will retain people? Are, you, are these questions that you're going to be asking going to be a deterrent to potentially you getting the best fit for the job? Because at the end of the day, you want to ensure that you're getting somebody who's competent. And that's really the bottom line ensuring that this person's competence is there to perform the job because you want to get the best out of this person. And, you know, it has to be a balance, but it can't be a situation where you are infringing on that person's right. There's a Charter of Fundamental Rights and Freedom Act, which was amended in 2011. So we have to be very cognizant of that. There's also other labor laws which stipulates what you can ask people. Um, so we have to be very mindful of that. And, and, and it's, it's all boils down to the more you know. Um, and, and it's also boils down to the experience of that HR practitioner who's representing the company so that you don't get too invasive into people's personal lives. So you have to be very 
very careful, you know, when you're conducting these sort of interviews. And it, it all boils down to your experience in having conversations with people. You can still get the best out of people and getting to know what their mindset and their skill sets are without getting into the nitty gritty of these personal invasive questions. All so, right. All right. Thanks, Yusuf. I mean, for every chance you get, you nail it home that it is invasive and it is personal. Yes, we get it. We get it. <laughs> All right. Finally, where can our listeners get in touch with you both if they want to reach out to you further? Sure. These views that have been expressed. This is a disclaimer for me. Are my personal views and not those of my organization. They're not shared by my organization. I work for the Jamaica Public Service. You can get me at gitomlinson at jpsco.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Gina Tomlinson Williams. Always, always open to answering questions, mentoring, guiding, um, having a conversation. Always open to that. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> and it's disclaimer for you as well, Newton. <laughs> I think, you know, my good man. <laughs> I'm in line to, 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 to my company um, mm-hmm. because I don't think we get in, invasive into people. At the end of the day, we're looking at competence and passion, and that's what really drives mm-hmm. our decision-making to ensure that we're getting the, the best fit for, for the organization. I um, also can be reached out at um, LinkedIn, Uton Vassal, um, and you can also shoot me a mail via at digitalgroup.com. All right. Thank you both, Yuton Vassal and Gina Tomlinson-Williams. Of course, Yuton Vassal is Group HR Business Partner at Digicel and Employment Law and Industrial Relations Expert. And Gina Tomlinson-Williams is Director of Business Transformation, Organizational Development and Change at the Jamaica Public Service Company. And also, I want to say a big thank you to Camille Walford, who was our listener today, who chimed in with his question. And thank you, our valid listener, for tuning in to this episode of Your Business Matters. It's a production of Exim Bank Jamaica in partnership with me, Henneke Watkins-Porter, of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. Of course, you can find it at all podcast platforms, your favorite one. You can choose whichever one you want to go to. Or you can go to hennekewatkinsporter.com. You can also reach out to me when you go there via the WhatsApp icon that comes directly to my phone. I'm on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are my main ones. I'm yet to decide if I'm really, really going on TikTok. That's another matter. (laughs) Anyway, we trust this episode clarified the matter of privacy surrounding employee recruitment or invasion, whichever it it was for you in terms of where your thought process was. Remember to join us next week for another insightful episode as we help you closer to your business goals. To stay in touch or to learn more about Exim Bank, visit eximbankja.com. In the meantime, please follow our podcast and your favorite podcast app, Your Business Matters, bringing the matters to the table because your business matters. As you continue to mind your own business, I leave you with a quote from Bob Nelson. An employee's motivation is a direct result of the sum of interactions with his or her manager. Do take care.